Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing U.S. high yield. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Will Springman, U.S. High Yield Portfolio Manager. Welcome, Will, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, I, I appreciate you're excited, and it, I think it's an exciting time to be a, a fixed income portfolio manager uh, these days. It's It's been, I think, a challenging year or so, certainly a big change from really the decades of a pretty benign environment for fixed income. Uh, we know rates are going up again, uh, renewed concerns about inflation, and then what does that mean for growth? Uh, and just even in the short term, we've had a pretty big change in, in perspective and sentiment in just a month or so. And if anything, the problem seems to be uh, that growth is too strong. Uh, and again, that's contributing to the inflationary pressures that we have, which raises the next question, well, what is the Fed going to do about it? So that's my question. Well, what do you think is coming next? How do you see growth and inflation evolving this year? And what will the Fed do? After a quite volatile 2022, um, you know, we're all aware of the Treasury volatility and how that rose throughout the year. I think many folks coming into 2023 um, were expecting much more subdued Treasury volatility, perhaps a more benign outlook. Um, you know, as many sort of grasped onto this peak inflation narrative and uh, what we've seen over the past few weeks has really, at least to an extent, dispelled that notion. So we're, we're really in a tricky position at the moment in terms of getting a good read on the economy. So you have this growing divergence between your soft data and your hard data, your soft data being your leading economic indicators, your purchasing manager indices, your regional Fed surveys, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, Many of them are flashing orange, in some cases flashing red, um, which they've been doing for several months now. But on the other hand, you're now beginning to see a pickup in your hard data, whether it's employment-related hard data or retail sales, cap good orders and shipments, which is your corporate CapEx proxy, or your durables, um, particularly durables X transportation. All of this data is beginning to pick up um, and really started to pick up in earnest in January. And um, you know it's beginning to feed into this new narrative, this new no landing um, outcome narrative that some participants have begun to latch onto. You know, I certainly think we need to see a few more months of data to draw an accurate assessment on exactly what's going on underneath the hood. But the most recent data points are certainly concerning as they do point to a reacceleration, not just in growth, but in inflation. That brings me into policy and how policy will respond to some of this data that we're seeing. So over the last few months, the Fed has become a little more defensive in its communication with the public, largely on the back of a few weaker CPI prints showing a growing trend of disinflation. Then we had that well-choreographed rate hike step down from 75 to 50 to 25 most recently. So the question now is, how does the Fed respond to this data? My belief is that they want to see the next employment print, the next non-farm payroll report, and also the next CPI print for February before deciding where to go next. 
So I think 25 is still probably what your average participant is uh, is thinking about for the next meeting. But should this data come in hotter than expected, I certainly think 50 basis points goes back onto the table just in terms of a potential option for them. And you're certainly seeing this being baked into the market. Uh, the odds of a 50 basis point hike have grown over recent weeks. And in addition to that, the terminal feds fund rate continues to increase, at least the market implied rate. And we're now somewhere around 5.5%, up from around 5% earlier this year. Let's turn to what that means then for corporate bonds, which is what you're looking at. And I thought it was notable. You mentioned the wage price spiral that with the wage increases that people understandably would like to get and the cost of living increases, which are certainly all very beneficial, uh, that unfortunately has the effect of pushing up demand further and then we get more inflation and, and off we go. If we think about the high yield market then, uh, and in particular corporate earnings, you know, you have to look primarily on the capability, the capacity of companies to, to pay the payments that are due on the bonds that they've issued. So how do you assess the health of corporate America today, or at least those companies that uh, are issuing high yield bonds? Thinking about fundamentals, we've had now three consecutive quarters of margin pressure across corporate America on a year-over-year basis. We've seen three consecutive quarters of earnings declines. But you have to think about what the starting point looked like uh, prior to this margin degradation that we've seen over the most recent quarters. So corporates were in a position of over-earning and frankly still are. So their margins were well above mid-cycle levels. So even as they continue to come down closer to that mid-cycle area, they're still quite high on a historical basis. And this has allowed corporates to continue to maintain very strong balance sheets. Leverage has not been this low in 10 plus years and interest coverage hasn't been this high in 15 plus years. So if you think about the starting point, it is still quite advantageous given where we are in the cycle. And you know that obviously has direct implications for your forward default expectations. Now, there are particular sectors that have really begun to weaken and started to weaken several quarters ago. So there is certainly growing dispersion just in terms of corporate health. A couple examples of this, healthcare being one, um, there are certain names within the healthcare sector in the high yield space that are distressed. So you have seen distress levels rise in that sector. Chemicals is another sector that has had some issues. And on the other hand, others have done quite well, including energy, which hasn't been on such solid footing in many, many years. So you really have to sort of dig into the details to see what's going on. But at the aggregate, corporate America, at least in the high yield space, is doing quite well. Now, having said that, given what we're seeing on the margin side, which, of course, is is continued degradation, even if it is happening rather slowly, I do think you need to keep an eye on profit margins and free cash flow evolution over coming quarters, just given that continued cost pressure that we're seeing, particularly on the wage side of things. And in addition to that, rising rates are going to have an impact on the cash interest burden for many issuers, particularly those with a higher proportion of floating rate debt. And many of those names live in the lower ratings cohort. So that could be um, more of a concern as we go through the next several quarters. So certainly something to keep an eye on. But as it stands, corporate America, uh, from a balance sheet perspective, it continues to do quite well. You said it yourself, Will, you used the word tricky. So this is a tricky environment to be managing corporate bond portfolios, rising rates, strong growth, inflation, the Fed, and everything else. How are you managing your portfolios? And can you talk about some of the sectors that you like or the themes that you're paying attention to? 
Yeah, so maybe the best way to start with that answer is just to talk about where we are in the cycle, in my view. So again, we are seeing a pickup in growth. We are seeing a pickup in inflation. Um, we need to see to what extent that, that is going to pick up and how long it's going to last. Again, I happen to believe it's going to be rather short-lived. It's hard to say whether it's going to be a several-month phenomenon or a several-quarter phenomenon, but I do think we are still firmly late cycle. So in my opinion, the late cycle playbook remains appropriate at this juncture. And of course, no cycle is alike, so you need to tailor that late cycle playbook for what we're seeing at the moment. But again, I do think that late cycle dynamics are certainly at play, even if there are some cross currents that are making getting a read on this cycle a little more difficult. So you then think about valuations, and there are obviously quite a number of ways to look at valuations in the high yield space. You could look at spreads, you could look at all-in yields. I think you really need to look at it from both lenses. So maybe just thinking about spreads for a moment, um, spreads on a historical basis are actually quite tight. And recently, spreads got to 405 basis points, which on a historical basis is actually quite tight. So if your look back period is 10 years, you're right around the 50th percentile. Um, if you look back all the way to 07, is closer to the 33rd percentile. So you can make the argument that we're anywhere from rich to fair value. And again, given my view on the cycle, given my view on the economy and policy, I happen to think that we're a bit rich here. And then another way to look at it is to look at all-in yields, which many people have been doing, just given how wide all-in yields are for the high-yield asset class. And recently, all-in yields have been moving up, where it was somewhere around that 8.7% mark on an all-in yield basis. And that looks quite a bit better on a historical basis. And many participants were leaning into that all-in yield thesis coming into the year. But I think the tricky thing about doing that is you really do need to have a good sense of where rates are going next. And I think the last few weeks have been a perfect demonstration of that. If you don't have the rate call correct, then leading on that all-in yield argument can be a bit tricky. And then next, you have to really think about your opportunity set, right? So you have a six-month risk-free paper yielding north of 5%. So if you compare that to all-in yields in the high-yield space, your risk premium is actually quite low on a historical basis. So my view is that valuations are still quite tight given where we are in the cycle, given the various risks that are out there. I do think spreads need to widen. I don't suggest that they need to widen out to that 800 to 1,000 basis point level that we've seen in past recessionary periods. I do think that we need to get closer to fair value, which in my opinion is around that 500 to 500 basis point area. So I do think that there is some widening in store for the high yield asset class. And maybe next, just uh, if, if I could quickly touch on total returns. We had a quite a negative year last year. It was the second worst year since 2008. You know, given the health of corporate balance sheets, given where defaults live right now, which is at quite a low level, and given that starting point all in yield, I think total returns should be okay for 2023. I happen to believe it's going to be a sub-coupon year, but I do think that we should still eke out a positive gain for this year. And that next brings me to how to position the portfolio given this environment. Again, I do believe that we're late cycle, so I think a late cycle playbook remains appropriate here. But at the same time, some early cycle movers, such as materials, such as retail, did quite a bit of widening last year just in terms of spread. And many of these sectors underperformed. So I do think that there are opportunities in some of the more cyclical-oriented sectors that moved wider all throughout 2022. So we're taking more of a barbell 
style approach. You know, we still are overweight, um, some more defensive oriented sectors. So think about consumer non-cyclicals, packaging, sectors of that nature for various reasons, given the defensive nature. But there are also some valuation arguments to be made for some of those sectors, packaging in particular. But then there are some sectors that tend to be more cyclical in nature, which continue to provide some pretty solid opportunities just from a valuation standpoint. And also, if you think about the credits within these sectors, they're actually doing quite well. And this growth pickup that we're doing should benefit them even further. And I'm thinking about sectors such as gaming, sectors such as chemicals, which I just mentioned. I I find both of those quite attractive. And then lastly, media cable has been a pretty challenging sector. There are obviously some structural headwinds that they continue to deal with, but valuations haven't been this wide in quite some time. And, uh, you know, fundamentals, in our opinion, look okay here. And so we are finding a number of opportunities within that sector as well. If I could summarize some of the key points you made, Will, we talked about how, you know, I appreciate the challenging uh, environment that we're in with rising rates uh, and still strong growth, inflationary pressures, but added to all of that, and this perhaps explains why volatility has remained so high, there's still quite a bit of uncertainty about the outlook. And you highlighted how we probably need just a bit more data, perhaps, before we have a better sense uh, of how the economy is going, where inflation is going, and then importantly, uh, where the Fed is going. On the other hand, if we look at corporate America, earnings uh, have been reasonably good. Uh, you thought that the health of balance sheets uh, was high, partly thanks to the strong earnings we had uh, with the reopening trade. And even with the deterioration that we've had in earnings over the last couple of quarters, it's been from a high level uh, and we need to put it in context. You do see the economy nonetheless as late cycle. So you are focused on or looking at defensive sectors. You acknowledge uh, valuations are tight and spreads might need to widen a bit, but you were still looking for positive total returns for the year. Well, well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. Viewpoint brings commentary and analysis in a variety of formats from investment outlooks to asset allocation videos and podcasts to help investors make better informed decisions. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast, with me, Daniel Morris and Will Springman. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.